I'm Emma Harris. And I'm Zoe Ingram. And we're broadcasting to you from Berlin, Germany. So today we're talking to a, a really interesting um, project or program, I guess, Open Life Science, uh, which is a training and mentorship program uh, for people who want to start their own open science projects. It's run by three people, uh, Yo Yehudi, Malvika Sharan, and Bernice Batu. Um, and we were able to interview uh, two of those people, uh, Yo and Malvika, about why they started the project and uh, what exactly is it involves. So my name is Yo Yehudi, and I am by background a software engineer. Uh, so at the moment, I work at the Wellcome Trust as a as an open source tech lead for their Data for Science and Health group, uh, and that's my day job. Uh, previously, uh, my day job was working at Intermine, a um, an open source software project based at the University of Cambridge. Uh, so as you may have gathered, actually, just from that very quick intro, my background, I. Open source is a big theme, uh, software in life science mostly. And so through through that, through my involvement with life science and with the open involvements, uh, I actually got to meet Malvika as well. And that's how we started to found Open Life Science. Uh, my name is Malvika Sharan. I am a community manager at the Alan Turing Institute for a project called The Turing Way. The Turing Way is an open source book guide project where community members come and share their knowledge related to things like reproducibility, project design, communication, collaboration, ethics, and community building. So I am bioinformatician by training, and that's how I know Bernice here. Uh, and we got involved into open science together. And uh, Three of us are alumni of Mozilla Open Leadership, uh, through which we have developed the project called Open Life Science. Okay, great. Um, we actually featured the Turing Way on one of our earlier episodes, so um, it's a nice connection. Um, so you mentioned the Open Life Science. Could you talk a little bit how that started and also why it started? So, like Malvika mentioned, we are all alumni of the Mozilla Open Leadership Program, uh, and that program is, um, for me, it was a genuinely life-changing program, where basically they um, they take people and they teach them some of the skills you need to lead open projects. And now, you may have heard of Mozilla before because they make the browser Firefox. So, basically, their focus tends to be on tech for good and uh, software-related things. Um, but eventually Mozilla decided rather than running this program themselves that they might um, actually in teach other people how to run it. So a sort of train the trainer type of program. And so that's when Malvika and Berenice and I, we got together and we actually decided that like there, we wanted to approach this from an open science point of view. And since we were all in bioinformatics and biology related areas, it made sense that this would be a life science specific domain. Uh, so what Open Life Science does is we take about 16 weeks, so that's around four months, and we work with a cohort of people who are interested in open science uh, but would like to learn more. And we cover uh, sort of interpersonal skills and community building skills. 
And basically we form it. Um, so there's two different ways that people interact. So one week you meet with a personal one-on-one mentor and that mentor will be talking with you um, and they'll be working and giving you guidance on a project that you're working on. And every other week you have a meeting with a full cohort of people who are going through the same training. And what that does is it gives you good community building and networking. And we bring in guest speakers who touch on lots and lots of different aspects of open science. Then after um, the 16-week program is complete, hopefully you've uh, really sort of leveled up some of the open science aspects of the projects that you're working on. And we have some final graduation presentations where everyone sort of gets to present to the world, here's what we're doing, here's what we've been working on for the last few months, come and look. Uh, so it's it's quite exciting. We're now in our second iteration of uh, open life science at the moment. We literally jumped uh, from our previous call was an open life science uh, GitHub training call straight into this podcast today. All right. Um, that's yeah. OK, that's um, quite an innovative uh, approach to the, you know, to open science training. Normally you hear about workshops and and, uh, you know, MOOCs and so forth. Um why did you did you feel that the mentor mentee uh, relationship was so important to developing open science um, in in you know open science skills if you like? So our program is really driven by the idea of inclusiveness. We want to be very active about who we are including and and understand what they need. Um, specifically, open science has been developed in Western countries and the practi- practices are more appropriate for how researchers work in America or European countries or in general high resource locations. And we wanted to work with people so that they can take the resources that they have and make the best of it. And the mentor-mentee relationship are important because people come from different level of skills and understanding and even personal circumstances. And if we have mentors who can be there, uh, be hold a space where these people can actually apply what they are learning, they can really make a huge progress, which is not probably possible through a two days intensive course or sitting alone and trying to do a MOOC because we have benefited from those kind of practices and we understand how empowering that could be when someone else puts their trust and confidence into making you uh, do the best you can. So I think this is the whole experience that we wanted to bring in this program. And therefore from the beginning, we have targeted uh, mentors personally reaching out to people from various identities and backgrounds and communities who they can represent very well in open science. In our expert talks that we have in every cohort call, uh, we also aim to bring diverse leaders from the community who can share experiences from their own countries and their own challenges can be expressed. And this also creates a relatable role models for our cohort. So this is really, really important for us. Uh, We are still learning. Uh, and we're very open for any sort of feedback on that. I mean, I really like what you said about the um, meeting people's resources where they have them um, or what they have, as opposed to assuming that they have uh, certain things. Um, And also what uh, I was thinking of is that uh, we did an episode um, on transformative learning. Something that came out of that was more about process than product in terms of uh, education. Um, And I feel like this is a similar 
kind of concept. That's a very beautiful word to actually put everything I said in two minutes. It's uh, it just really captures it so well. We really we really want people to understand that the process is a lot more important than, than the outcome because in four months they cannot produce big thing, but the practices that they learn in these four months can become really transformative for their ways of working. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it is about um, people understanding more about what they can do than necessarily kind of the hard skills. So of course there is a place for those um, as well. Um, so, I mean, I'm really curious, what type of projects do the mentees bring? And um, could you give maybe an example of one of those? Or it's actually really varied. Uh, so we were very non-specific when we set up our recruitment. Um, and so a lot of the people or the background that we come from more is perhaps software related. So we definitely have some open source uh, scientific software, uh, but it's definitely not exclusive to that either. Uh, so recruitment that we um, have targeted, it could be a, a wet lab protocol or an event that you're setting up. Uh, so some of the examples that I can think of, um, we've had um, people launching open culture and, and launching consultations with regards to open culture inside their organization. Um, we've had people who are research data managers who are actually applying this to ways that they can share their work together. Uh, we've had things like uh, lab mon manuals to help people set up a new lab if they're a new PI in considerate and meaningful ways, as well as some of the perhaps easier targets that um, you, you might think of first when you think about open science, which might be something like, you know, sharing your code or sharing the hardware that you're working on. Wow, really very diverse then. Yeah, yeah. Could you um... could you walk us through how how one of these projects works from the beginning? I'll take a step. Uh, so, actually, I'll tell you what. On our, our our website, we have the stories of Sam and Joy. So I'm going to talk about. Uh, I can't actually remember if our mentor was Sam or if our mentee was Sam, but let's say that. Uh, Sam was the mentee and the idea is that they have perhaps already heard about open science um, and it's something that they're enthusiastic about and but maybe they don't know a lot or maybe what they've tried um, they haven't felt like they knew where to take it further um, but we are always looking for people who already have that buy-in you know that they want to be doing it it's a lot harder to sell this to someone who maybe isn't ready or isn't interested to be doing open science at any point um, but let's say um, Sam is a PhD student and they have um, a bit of um, open source software that they've been working on. So let's say they have some code that wants to uh, analyze some genetic results. Uh, and so they, they know that open source software is a thing and they want to share it. Um, and they sort of think, well, where do I put it? And how do I make it available to other people? Um, you know, so maybe they could send this by email to other people that's of interest but they don't really have the, the framework that they might be looking to actually share this effectively and to help people come to it and reuse it. Uh, and so if they applied to Open Life Science, they sort of explain what they were interested in. And then we would um, look at their application. We say clearly they have they already have the buy-in. They want to share what they're working on. And so this is exactly where we can come in and sort of give them some of the skills and some of the different ways that you can disseminate what you're working on. 
so then they would join, they'd be assigned to their mentor who we'll call Joy. And um, they'll spend some time getting to know Joy and sharing what expertise Joy has that maybe Sam can benefit from. So perhaps, so in this case, Joy would also be an open science practitioner who's worked on open source software as well. Um, and then we would start with our very first cohort call. And in the cohort calls, we start looking at some of the different skills and the ways to think about things to onboard people. So early on, we talk about setting a vision for your project. Um, so just write a few sentences, discuss it with the other people who are in your network and your cohort, and they'll give you feedback on that. And so then you can refine that mission into a meaningful statement that actually helps drive you going forwards. Um, they'll, they'll go back to Joy, they'll chat about it with Joy. And then the next cohort call that we have, we'll start presenting um, how to use GitHub. Um, and whilst I have actually used an open source software project here, this equally is relevant even if you aren't techie, um, because GitHub is a really nice collaboration tool. Um, and GitHub allows threaded discussions and it allows people to contribute to one another's work. So even if it's not um, a code project, we advise people to use GitHub to actually collaborate. Um, but in Sam's case, they've got um, some code. And so they, they probably will start uploading their code to GitHub and we'll teach them about writing a readme file, for example, that allows them to um, say, welcome, here's how you get started on this project. They will, um, we teach them to add a code of conduct to their repository so that people know that it's a welcoming environment and they start thinking about the steps that they can do to bring people in uh, to actually contribute to their work and they think about the value exchange so if someone is contributing to my work I'm getting work from them but what are they getting in exchange and so they sort of think about the give and the take um, and so we just sort of work there and part of the nice thing about the format where we have the alternating weeks between mentors and cohort is that you get the time in between all of these to actually apply it to your project step by step. So you learn something in a cohort call, you apply it to your project, you discuss some of the specifics with your mentor, and then you move on to the next step. And then we discuss something else in the next cohort call. So it's the, the, the protracted time actually does give an advantage for stuff to really sink in and for people to get the chance to actually, um, you know, really put it into their projects. That sounds yeah. like quite the learning process. Yeah. So how many people are in a cohort? So in our current cohort, we have uh, 32 projects, but not each project are run by single leaders. We actually encourage people to come in teams. So we have 52 members who are collaboratively leading these 32 projects. Wow. And so if we have any listeners that are researchers and they're hearing this and they say, well, I have the buy-in, I want to share, um, what do they need to do to become part of open life science? So we intend to open two calls in 2021. So currently we are in the second cohort and we are hoping to open the call for application in December before we go on holiday. We keep the whole January open for application. And then from February, we would start the third cohort. So if you are interested in joining the third cohort, keep an eye out, uh, follow us on Twitter. We are not very chatty, but we share information. I'll also just add, um, we do have an announcement mailing list. Um, it mostly just says, hey, a new cohort call is open. So it is incredibly low traffic. But if you go to openlifesite.org and then you go right to the footer, 
of our website, you can sign up to that news and announcement mailing list and you will hear the next time we have applications open. Very cool. And I, I guess I, I wanted to ask a more, um, a broader question about open science, which was, um, I mean, you've obviously both, uh, and, and of course your, your, your third colleague, have put a lot of effort into establishing this. And you've talked a little bit about the reasons why, but I guess in a, a bigger sense, why do you think open science is so important? Why is it worth the effort of yourselves and also of the, the people involved in open life science? Generally, I, when I share my story with people, I always tell them where I come from. I've had my foundational studies in India and I finished my bachelor's. I came to Germany for master's and the entire research perspective that I had was shattered because research doesn't look similar in all the countries. The kind of papers that people have access to are extremely different and also you won't understand how big a divide is in terms of the kind of conversation that's happening in developing countries and developed countries. And I have experienced that firsthand. Yo has experienced that. And Bernice, who comes from France, where the you know languages can be quite a constraint for people to access different sort of material. And we bring our experience into this. So I have to say we have emotional invest investment into this project because we understand the problem and not just that our network has quite a lot of researchers who can do so much more if they had more resources and open science is that space for them because if we are committed to sharing all these knowledge and resources with people from the beginning we can be very mindful of what kind of access they have it's just not about sharing information it's really about bringing people into the work that we are doing and and what we are trying to do is to motivate and encourage and teach our men mentees how they can design their projects from beginning that you know these kind of values are ingrained into their project and it's not just open but community-minded yeah yeah no I I, to I totally understand that and I mean I think for me it's become increasingly clear that that is the the real underlying importance of open science is is the the fairness of who has access to knowledge and who can utilize knowledge. Um, and um, yeah, I think anything that, that helps bring that forward is, is, uh, is good for not just research, but also I think the, the society that we want to live in. Um, so yeah, I completely, I'm completely on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess, one other thing from my side, I don't know if Zoe has any more questions, but would be, in terms of the future, I mean, what do you see open life science um, doing in sort of the next five to 10 years? I mean, are you, is it always going to be life science? Is there other topics uh, that are you going to kind of uh, branch out? You, you can start and I'll add something afterwards. Sounds great. Okay. Um, so this is actually a question we get a lot. Um, and the honest truth is that 95% of the stuff that we share could just be open science. You don't honestly have to include the life science in there to, um, for, for most of the materials that we have to be incredibly useful. 
so originally it, this was largely a scoping exercise for us. So this, this is a domain that we know, we feel confident assessing life science projects because we've worked in life science for years. Um, and it's also where our networks are. So when we're getting the expert speakers and the mentors and the guidance, then that's what we were able to provide. Um, a few things that I would like to point out is that our materials are, we, we try very hard to practice what we preach. So we actually have everything is open source on our uh, GitHub repository. That means that anyone can come, they can reuse our materials and they could purpose it towards open geophysics or uh, digital humanities. And most of it would still apply perfectly. Um, but in terms of what is for us for the next five to 10 years, I think we would like to make this less of a volunteer effort and more um, of a sustainable thing. So right now, this is, um, I think we, we have a gorgeous, shiny website. Um, that's something that Berenice has put um, a, a million hours of effort and um, incredible design talent into. Um, and it makes us look fantastically professional. And we, uh, we know we're successful because we had 50% more applicants for round two than we had for round one. Um, but we would like to actually make sure that we have enough money to do things like offer stipends to our volunteer mentors and maybe even um, potentially something for the founders time as well. Because right now um, we have day jobs and this is something that we actually do outside of our work. So we'd like to develop a genuine sustainability model for the long term for open life science. Uh, Malvika, I'm guessing you had some stuff to add as well. No, just just that. I think you and I constantly struggle with that. Uh, we know that we are passionate about this program and we will do it, but it also causes us a lot of time and a lot of investment from our personal side. And we also want to think about how we change the general volunteer culture of open science, because currently people assume that if you're working in an open resource or anything that's open, it's fine to work on that for free, but you know, not everybody, everybody can contribute for free. And this is something we want to be very mindful about when we invite people to become mentor and commit four months of their life we want to be respectful that, that we are appreciating it in a way that's really meaningful for them. And what you just said, that we want to have access to finance somehow, that's our next plan. Uh, but in general, also vocally support people to help each other financially in open source because open source doesn't have to be free. No, of course not, no, no. Um, Zoe, did you have any other questions? No, maybe just one more comment. I think that it seems in general in open science, there's this kind of volunteer that if you want to make anything open, the extra time that you put in it also as a researcher is your time. So it's it's not yet. We haven't established yet that that is just part of the research culture, which is just sad. But yeah. I, I think we're moving towards there. <laughs> Hopefully. Can we, can we give a shout out to yes. our colleague who's not here? <laughs> please, please do. Uh, so, uh, yeah, massive thanks to Bernice, who's been working with us. And even when she went on maternity leave, she had been so involved. So there is no way we could do this program without her. And also to Emmy, who uh, we have very fortunately onboarded as one of our hosts in the program. And uh, she's just uh, fantastic. I'll add uh, one more quickly, Malvika, as the, all the experts and all of the mentors in the program. Um, so I think between our 
what's the word? Goodness. Between our cohort participants and the mentors and the experts, we have over 100 people who are volunteering time right now for OLS round two. Um, and this is incredible. We couldn't possibly be running the program without them. I found it really interesting to hear about their approach, especially um, in light of us doing our own Train the Trainer course um, and comparing and co contrasting the two different approaches, because obviously neither is you know right or wrong, but they are quite different in terms of uh, certainly the length and the uh, the scale. But at the same time, I think the goals are very similar, which we touched upon in the episode. Yeah, I think the fact of them having this mentoring it is a much deeper level that they go on to, to have this one-on-one -on -one communication between a mentor and a mentee to be able to really push your project forward. Um, but yet at the same time, exactly like you said, the, the goal of the project is the same to empower people and connect people. Yeah, you right. You mentioned I mean, the train the trainer, Emma. Um, maybe we haven't talked about, have we talked about that on our episodes? Because I feel like we need to go more in depth of that to be able to to compare them. Yeah, really. absolutely. We did a train the trainer that was part of the Orion project that was aiming at helping people become open science trainers. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's no easy thing to create a community and what we've done with the train the trainer. Uh, so we ran this as a course, um, uh, basically from the 19th of October through to the 4th of November. So roughly three weeks. And the first two weeks were made up of uh, an online Moodle course, so um, hosted on Open Learn Create, um, and webinars. And the idea was that the participants uh, work through the the course um, and create, um, uh, do assignments together, do activities together on sort of shared uh, documents. And then they go, in groups they prepared a, a talk on open science. And uh, they then delivered that talk um, in Berlin Science Week, which is an international science festival, um, in something what we call the Open Science Cafe, which was a series of these 20-minute, fairly interactive talks that were streamed live uh, via YouTube. And that was the culmination of the project. And so we tried to work quite hard to, to build this sense of going through the process together and also imparting this feeling of empowerment to be able to give uh, open science trainings. I think that what, that what really remarkable or what's not striking, but this is a, you know, it's a 16 week program that's going along. And through this mentor mentoring and also the cohort group, I think the people, the participants have a very good opportunity of learning by doing, but also being in contact with all the other kind of people that can help them facilitate to take their project to the next level, but also to yeah. meet people to be able to expand open science in, in general. So it's also a, a nice networking um, opportunity. And I noticed with the train the trainer that we just ran that the same thing happened. That Yeah, um, even though we didn't intend, really, we didn't think of it like that as a, a main goal, whereas obviously this is set up far more because they have these cohort calls. Um, but we, yeah, we ended up um, creating this little network of open science um, advocates um almost by default which was lovely mm -hmm. 
I think that's also an interesting fact because a lot of people, when they go to a conference, they always mention that the networking is one of one of the major reasons that they go there. And it's so obvious, And but I've never thought about it before, that also in trainings, there's that big networking factor and how you actually don't even have to facilitate it. In our case, we didn't have to facilitate it or plan it or think about it. It just happens by itself. But it's interesting with open life science that this is also really planned in there. So it would be interesting if we would be talking to them again, I would, I would like to ask how much they feel that through their planning that or, or trying to facilitate that, that networking happens um, if long relationships are, are built. Okay, so we did a train the trainer, right? And the goal there mm-hmm. is to help people to be able to be open science ambassadors, but to be able to do that through training. And I think what's really interesting by this project is that it, it's so broad spread it's not just picking one thing like training out or open data. It's really helping see people project-based. So that's building communities that are able to actually, I mean, it's building open science projects that if they run well are, you know, long lasting. So it's really contributing to, to creating a community. Sometimes we can do things by ourselves or just with the people we know, but if we have people that are mentors or people that are, are more advanced and able to help us, then it, you know, it increases, I don't want to say it increases the impact, but it definitely. I, no, I think it's a boost, isn't it? It's, um, it, it increases the likelihood of success for a start. It increases sustain, sustainability of people's desire to do open science projects. Right. And once there's a project there and it's working and it's functioning, like for example, open life science, this is a project that is promoting open science and it's there and it's standing and it's working. So it's amplifying the whole effect. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more projects there are, the more people are involved and it's a multiplier. I mean, that's what we talked about with our project as well. Just, but as you say, in the much narrower um, kind of framework of training, but we were talking about multipliers. So we do, you do a train the trainer because each of those people hopefully go out and train in open science. and so then it's not just the Orion project, it's not just us, it's these these other people, this this cohort of participants. And this is the same thing, but on a, a project scale. So they're not just training people in how to train in open science, they're training or not even training, um, you know supporting. Uh, supporting, thank you, supporting people in how to uh run projects. So this isn't this isn't um people doing training this is people doing projects and these projects may have as i think you were saying like a lifetime after this uh open life science program uh so yes it's a massive uh multiplier and it it leads to a lot of sustainability i think it reminds me also of the episode we did on the e-life sprint that's the same kind of concept i mean it's a totally different the way that the the approach of how they do it is totally different Mm. but it's still it's it's, i I don't think we've had any other interviews at least they don't come in my mind immediately where we've had such a broad spectrum of supporting projects i think it's that project aspect that um seems new to me yeah i agree i i think that's their unique selling point if you like it's the projects it's the fact that they facilitate and support and um you know, men, mentor people through doing projects as opposed to doing skills or, or workshops or what have you. I think that's the key, the key thing. Yeah, that's all from us today. This podcast is brought to you by the Orion Open Science Project, which is an EU funded project. 
If you would like to get in touch with us, write us an email, orion at mdc-berlin.de, or reach out to us on Twitter, OOSP underscore OrionPod. The music uh, was composed and performed by Fabio de Miguel, and the sound mixing done by Paulo Oliveira. Uh, we wish you a lovely day, and we hope you join us next time. Bye. Bye.